This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning, rare Thursday morning uh, shift for me here. Uh, but pleased to be with you on a day where there's a lot to talk about. I mean, it's Eagle Cow, it's Cowboy Week, Mike. We should be fired up. We should be. We were planning on doing our Mount Rushmore of Eagle Cowboy topics tonight, uh, but I don't think we're going to be able to get to it. Lots to talk about. There's just too much going on. Uh, we'll get to Eagles and Cowboys later on. Um, we'll get to Jason Peters and and him. You know, calling the shots once again, it appears. Uh, Doug Peterson kind of vaguely answering questions about Jason Peters, if he'll play, where he'll play uh, on Sunday night. Um, We'll get to Jerry Jones and his interview with uh, a Dallas radio station. I think it's, uh, is it the fan in Dallas, I believe, 105.3? Yeah, so we'll get to that later on, laugh at them. We'll get to everything that happened Last night in the bait, well, I guess two nights ago now in in the baseball game, game six, um, and Rob Manfred, a very fitting ending to the baseball season in an odd way, uh, where we can still rip Manfred even as MLB finishes their season. We'll get to the Justin Turner component, Kevin Cash um, pulling out uh, Blake Snell and these damn analytics that are ruining the game of baseball. Um which I, I say that kind of facetiously, um, but we'll we'll get to uh, that later on, and the the ridiculous move by Kevin Cash to take out Blake Snell. But we got to start with the news of the day, as the the Seventy Sixers, in a stunning move, after it appeared their front office was settled, take a massive swing. And I think hit a home run for the ages. A potential franchise-saving move by hiring a highly respected, highly controversial, and no, I'm not talking about the, the China tweet, uh, which, you know, outraged some. I'm not talking about that 
part of why Daryl Morey is controversial. Um, but controversial in the sense of the way he does business. Uh, Daryl Morey, the new team president and head of basketball operations of the Philadelphia 76ers. And I, for one, could not be more excited about this move. I mean, for the last two weeks, I, I had been meaning to get to my feelings on the Sixers front office restructuring. You know, it was announced a few weeks ago that Elton Brand would remain in charge just right after the hire of Doc Rivers. Then they were going to bring in um, Peter Dinwiddie, an executive from the Indiana Pacers, and another scout from the Orlando Magic. And, you know, it seemed like that was going to be the extent of the restructuring of the Sixers front office that they had promised way back when they were swept out of the playoffs unceremoniously by the Boston Celtics in Orlando. And I was conflicted because I liked what they did. I I thought they it was encouraging that they actually went through a process and they actually hired a couple guys that that seemed to have some sort of track record especially Dinwiddie um a lot of a lot of insiders had some good things to say about him and you know it, it was looked at as as a decent move but i was conflicted because as i liked it i was i i i knew daryl morey was out there and you know they were cleaning up the mess left by the colangelo regime they had gotten rid of or at least diminish the roles of Ned Cohen and Alex Rucker. And that was encouraging while bringing in guys to their front office that had decent uh, decent track records, decent recommendations, and had uh, positive things said about them by others around the league. You add that to the hire of Doc Rivers and Dave Yeager, who I think is a, a real quality top assistant, and I liked what they had done, but I was conflicted because Daryl Morey was available. And that was the guy that I wanted the Sixers to go out and get from the beginning. And I thought if he was available, the Sixers needed to make it happen. They needed to bring him in here, let him bring a, a completely new approach. Because Daryl Morey has a very different approach to things. And with this roster and the Sixers cap situation, it is not going to be an easy task for anybody to navigate out of the current cap space hell that they find themselves in. The moves of the last two years, be it the Jimmy Butler trade, which I didn't dislike, I was fine with that, but mainly the Tobias Harris trade, then the decision to re-sign Tobias Harris and Al Horford, have put this team in a close-to-impossible situation to work out of. But if anyone, if anyone working in basketball right now has the ability to work out of this situation and salvage this situation in Philadelphia with the 76ers, it is Daryl Moore. It is, without a doubt. He is innovative. He is analytical, which... Again, we will debate analytics later on with the baseball side of it, but analytics are not all bad by any means. Um, It doesn't mean that 
you know, your your team is going straight to hell the minute they start using analytics. No, it's information to help you get better. The difference in what we're going to talk about with the Rays and what we're going to talk about now with Daryl Morey is analytics are only as valuable as how you apply them. And Daryl Morey is a guy who in Houston applied the analytics to building his team and constructing his roster very, very well. I mean, they basically changed the game in Houston. It's it's not that crazy now to think about it, but in Houston, Daryl Morey was like the first executive that ever figured out, wow, there's this one shot that's worth 50% more than every other shot on the floor. Maybe we should shoot more of those shots. Yeah, not. it doesn't seem like it's a novel concept, but Daryl Morey was the first guy who really committed and leaned into that line of thinking and building a team that would shoot a lot of three-pointers and and doing things a different way. He's aggressive. The the one guy who really had the, the, the stones, if you will, while the Golden State Warriors dynasty was at their peak, and their peak was 2017-2018. The two years when they had Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, and they were all healthy. That was the best, most unbeatable basketball team I've ever seen in my life. And pretty much every team in the league was cautious. They sat back. They weighed the Warriors out. For better or worse, Daryl Morey had the guts to go after them. He tried his damnedest to go after that team and try to knock them off. And if not for a Chris Paul injury and literally the worst shooting night a team has ever had in Game 7 of that series, the Rockets would have won that series. The Rockets then would have gone on to beat a Cavaliers team uh, with LeBron James and uh, J.R. Smith and George Hill and whoever else was on that team and would have won a championship. But Daryl Morey took a big swing. He took a swing at going to getting Chris Paul and saying, we are not going to sit back and just wait this team out. We're going to go after him. And it very nearly worked. And this is the right man for the job right now. You know, it is so fitting for Sam Hinkie's mentor, because that's what Daryl Morey was. Daryl Morey is somebody who Sam Hinkie looked up to. Sam Hinkie took a lot of his ideas from Daryl Morey, and that doesn't mean that Daryl Morey's going to come in here and tank for people who you know, uh, aren't, aren't, aren't totally clear on who Daryl Morey is and what his objectives are. Daryl Morey's taking over a far different situation in Philadelphia than Sam Hickey took over, what, seven, eight years ago. It's a much different situation. Daryl Morey's taking over a situation that has two, hopefully, budding stars in this league. And he's somebody who's not afraid to go for it. He will be aggressive. He will do a lot of things. He will, he will uh, you know... He, he's innovative. And right now, because of the mistakes that the previous regime made, because of the mistakes that the Colangelo cronies made over the last few years, this team 
was in what I thought was an unsalvageable situation six, eight weeks ago. I did. I had no hope. I had no hope for the Philadelphia 76ers. I thought, well, at least you got Embiid and Simmons, but you're never going to be able to fix what's around them to become a championship-level team. And I'm not telling you that the Sixers are going to become that. I don't know if they are. This could this could work out splendidly. This could blow up uh, horrifically. But at least there is hope now. At least for the first time since Sam Hinkie, there is somebody in place with this organization. Somebody with far more experience than Hinkie had at the time with a track record of success, a guy who's never had a losing record in Houston. His teams were in the playoffs every year. His teams were competing um, in big games year after year after year. And did they win a championship? No. But they were the closest thing to knocking off that Golden State Warrior team once Kevin Durant came aboard. And I don't count the Raptors beating them in 2019 because, let's face it, Uh, Kevin Durant wasn't healthy. He played, what, five minutes in that series? If anybody can fix this situation that weeks ago seemed unfixable, it's Daryl Morey. And you got to give the Sixers organization a ton of credit. And we'll get later on um, to the comparison of a couple owners in this town. But... We criticize Josh Harris a lot, and much of the time, rightfully so. But Josh Harris, David Blitzer, um, I guess Elton Brand at this point, even though it's pretty unclear about what Elton's role is with the organization, it's unclear whether Elton's even going to remain with the organization moving forward. But you need to give the decision makers a, a, a huge tip of the cap here. Because the difference in how we view the Sixers, difference in how I view the Sixers from now uh, to eight weeks ago when they were eliminated, is far different. It's very early, and we'll see what's to happen with the roster. We'll get into that more next next segment here and what could be coming down the pike. But as far as what they have done since being eliminated from the playoffs, going and getting the best head coach on the market, a head coach with a track record of success, a head coach with a history of winning, to what they have done with that coaching staff, getting a guy like Dave Yeager, another assistant that's coming in who I like a lot, Sam Cassell, to what they have done with the front office and getting arguably... uh, if not the top executive in the NBA, a top three, top five executive in this league, that most teams would would fire their GM or their president of basketball operations to have immediately. And that's essentially what the Sixers did. Because I think they like Elton Brand. I, I, I think they felt Elton Brand deserved an opportunity. But this is what good owners do. This is what good organizations do. And the Sixers haven't been one in a long time. But this is a sign they're turning a corner. Because good organizations, when they see an opportunity to get the best person out there, they make it happen. 
They did it with the head coach. They were focused on Mike D'Antoni. Doc Rivers became available. They pounced. They were focused on Elton Brand and letting him remake this front office and call all the shots. They saw Daryl Morey become available, and they pounced. So for all the heat we give them, and and for all the criticizing of this organization and this owner we have done, which I take back none of it, you got to give them credit when they do the right thing. And I don't know how you can argue right now that the Sixers, at least in the last two months, have not done everything right. They have done everything exactly, exactly uh, to the final T how you would want it done. And they deserve credit for that. And we'll talk about it um, throughout the course of the night. As you can hear, I'm very excited. This is the guy I wanted. This is... The move I felt the Sixers, if they were serious about fixing things, had to make. And I couldn't be more thrilled that this was the decision that was made and that the owners stepped up, put the money out there, and said, we're going to get our, we're gonna get the best GM in the game available. We're going to get the best coach available. And we're going to get serious about trying to win and fix the issues that Brian Colangelo and his uh, gang of thieves have caused over the last four years. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, open lines start the show tonight. If you want to get in on any of the Sixers topics, you're welcome to. We'll get into the roster next segment and what could be heading down the pike. Because honestly, I have no idea. There could be dramatic changes. Um, there could be changes around the edges here. I'm not sure. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. Daryl Morey, I can guarantee you, he's going to be investigating all possibilities. He and Doc Rivers together here. Uh, so we'll get into the Sixers throughout the course of the show. If you want to get on that. If you want to get in on anything that happened with baseball last night, be it the Kevin Cash decision, be it the absurdity that happened after the game or during the game with Justin Turner. Uh, Justin Turner, the test results not coming in until mid-game or Justin Turner being allowed back on the field to celebrate with his teammates. It's all a bleep show, if you will. Uh, so if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. And it also, it's Cowboy Week. So if you want to get in on your most hated cowboy of all time, Mike, would that be on the Mount Rushmore of Eagle Cowboy radio topics? Um, most hated cowboy of all time. It's already underway. I heard uh, Big Daddy call on last weekend and give his uh, his five most hated cowboys. Well, Big Daddy's about the only person I care who is most hated cowboys on. I don't care about anybody else's. I do care about Big Daddy's. Uh, I kind of care about Ray's. I well, I, oh, I care about Ray's. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, just those. Two. But you don't care about Glenn's. I guess, yeah, Glenn's though. Okay. Well, about, Ray's about the same, Mike. That was a little. Well, you know, Ray went to seemed games. like a bit of a cheap shot. <laughs> no, it had nothing to do with. It. <laughs> okay. It's, Ray's been going to games for uh, much longer. Eagles games. Yeah, I've, did, Ray. Even um, do you think he'd venture out to a bar for a game? Um. Well, it's that's more for like the. Uh, he looks. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's more <laughs> like a younger person activity. Okay. From uh, what they've said. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 true. I guess. I guess you're asking fair. me. Like, I was never ripped by them for doing that. You know? or, or what's your favorite play in an Eagle Cowboy? I'll give you mine, Mike. It was when 
Buddy Ryan fake taking a knee and threw the ball <laughs> deep and, and ran up the score against those boys. That's my favorite ever. Uh, my favorite Eagles-Cowboys play, uh, I would say the Brandon Boykin one. Okay. No, honestly, my favorite Eagles-Cowboys my favorite Eagles Cowboys game is obviously forty four to six. I think that was I think this is a throwback. I think that was a two seed in our uh tournament. Remember that tournament? Uh, I, I remember <laughs> trying to forget that tournament for months. No, I, I was trying to think of the seeds, but I have no I, I, no I don't remember. There are no records of that anywhere because I couldn't figure out the computer. So uh, <laughs> that's all that's all gone. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in on any of those topics, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to all of it throughout the course of the show. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, next segment got a, a strong social media gripe on the way for you. Uh, it's a little too far. These are always my favorites where it's one gripe, but it turns into two. It, it morphs in what my, my, my initial gripe morphs into a second gripe. And, uh, you know, some of them are a little manufactured. I'm not going to lie. But this one uh, is, is pretty, pretty good, I think. So uh, we'll reveal that next segment. Me and Mike were just talking during the break here um about eagles cowboys topics mike are are we going should we really come up with the mount rushmore of eagles cowboys radio topics the week of an eagle cowboy game it's a staple i think we should come up with the mount rushmore of eagles cowboys topics once and for all once and for all wow um i'm surprised that wasn't part of once and for all week sure should have been now, I mean, one of them's got to be most hated. One of them is most hated Cowboys. That's yeah. obvious. Um, I mean, and the games, too. Best so. best games or yeah. best plays. They kind of go in the same boat there. Moments, games, plays, however. Yeah. yeah. We'll come up with the rest of them. So it, it will involve the audience, too. If you want to call in, give give us... Yeah, most of the people who are listening now, I'd assume, have been longtime listeners to this radio station. So... Uh, give give me um, some of your Mount Rushmore topics of Eagles Cowboys radio topics uh, that you've heard over the years, and I'm not I'm not just like mocking other people. I'm victim of doing this too. I've done a ton of these topics over the course of my time on the air. I got one. What what do you got? Um, what do you hate most about Cowboy fans? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and the, the most, the answer to that, these cockroaches, they're from, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they come out, they just come out during cowboy. They've week. never even driven through Texas. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so if you want to get in on that, you're welcome to, uh, because it's always fun with cowboy week. And, and I do like poking fun at the Eagle cowboy rivalry in a way, because so, I, I'm not saying we don't hate the Cowboys. Like I obviously hate the Cowboys just as much as any Eagles fan would, but I actually don't hate the Cowboys. Really? I think it's kind of exists to me. I think it's a little manufactured like this year. It's a little manufactured. Like just listening to the station and doing the show, you're not going to ratchet up this Eagle Cowboy hate when you're facing possibly Ben DiNucci. It's just not there. And that's okay. It doesn't always have to be, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, let's go back to the buddy days. Oh, that fourth and one stop. They ran at it. Smith, he ran the same play twice in a row. Uh, it's like, we don't always have to do that. Like, it, sometimes you're just not going to summon the same kind of hate Leroy for the Jordan. Cowboys. Who's Leroy Jordan? 
Uh, he, uh, like, I don't know, like 50 years or so, knocked out Timmy Brown's teeth. <laughs> okay. Big moment in I, the rivalry. I, I remember those, I don't know, my most hated Cowboys teams were those Cowboys teams of Larry Allen and Nate Newton and uh, Eric Williams, those offensive lines. But that's the thing. You, you hate the Cowboys when they're good. When they're bad, it's like, yeah, we'd like to see Jerry Jones suffer. And I got some great Jerry Jones cuts to play later on. Um, but I hate the Giants just as much as I hate the Cowboys. I don't. I guess that's not a, a great hot take to have during Cowboy Week. Uh, it's almost blasphemous. I'm almost surprised that I there aren't alarms going off getting me thrown off the air right now. That was a common argument Big Daddy and I would have. Um, you know, because obviously he, you know, more of a Philly guy than me. He said Cowboys were the rivalry. I always thought the Giants were. Well, this is the thing. And, uh, Mike, I think you and I have a different perspective because it's all about when you grew up. And me, we were growing, growing up. Like, I, I, I remember the, not, the mid to late 90s when the Cowboys were really good. Uh, but our formative years as Eagles fans, when they were actually competing for championships, was that early 2000s. And the Giants were the rival. Right. Those uh- Giants teams were the hated team. When they were competing for titles under Andy Reid, yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. Not under that fraudulent, <laughs> fat clown Buddy Ryan. And if the Buddy haters want to call up, I'm always I'm always <laughs> willing to fight with the Buddy haters. Hey, Kevin, <laughs> I, I rock Philly Kevin. If you want to give me a call, I'll, uh, we can yell at each other for a In little bit. In defense of Fine. Andy Reid, you go, that fat Buddy Ryan. I hate Buddy Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just cannot stand Buddy Ryan. I really can't. It is, he, I, for somebody who I... Barely even lived through his era in Philadelphia. I was less than five years old when Buddy Ryan coached here. And I just can't stand the guy. I mean, at least you picked the coach in shape. <laughs> right. So. Well, I mean, hey, Andy's still doing it. Uh, you is. know, Andy's still well, I mean, hanging in there. He's got a, he's got the advantage of being alive. He does. Well, okay. Well, that, well I'm just saying, he's hung around for, as a head coach for way longer than Buddy Ryan did. I just, I just can't stand the Buddy people. I, I just can't. Anybody who thinks Buddy Ryan's a better coach than Andy Reid is a moron, and that's all I'm going to say. And and uh, like that that's it. Like that's all I'm going to say about it. I just I I just despise that. And they're the the that era of Eagles fan. They're the people who hate the Cowboys. Like they want to punch me in the face right now. Yeah, like the guys in the Dirty Thirty. They want me thrown off the air right now for this blasphemy. And I'm not saying I don't hate the Cowboys, but this year, I mean, it's a little, it's a little different. And those Giants teams were the ones I hated: Jeremy Shockey and Strahan and Tiki and Seahorn. Those, those were the were the most hateable teams I thought. Certainly in the era that we were growing up, Mike. I agree. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in uh, and spew some Cowboy hate, we're always we're always here for that. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the Eagles Cowboys a little later on and, um, all the storylines surrounding that game, but, uh, to get back to the news of the day as Daryl Morey hired by the Philadelphia 76ers and, um, it's just a, a, a home run of a move. Like I, I, I don't see how anybody can pick apart this move and say it's not a great decision and does it guarantee this team Anything? Of course not. And, you know, you've seen it with the Sixers over the years. You can get excited about things, and it can go horribly wrong. And the Sixers are fun in that regard, where they are just so chaotic, where they'll roll the dice. Sometimes you'll get Al Horford and Tobias Harris for $289 million. 
But some other time, you'll get Doc, Doc Rivers and, and Daryl Morey, and it seems like your organization's saved. But they are always entertaining. And in this instance, you got to give Josh Harris a lot of credit. He identified the best head coach on the market, the best executive on the market, and while he may have had other plans and did have other plans, he wasn't beholden to them. He pivoted when he needed to pivot. Mike D'Antoni and Elton Brand was going to be the likely combination. Once Doc Rivers became available, too bad, D'Antoni, you're out. Once Daryl Morey became available, the Sixers obviously pounced on that. You know, this is not something I'm sure that developed overnight. Uh, The Sixers, I'm sure, reached out to Daryl Morey immediately after he stepped down, maybe before he stepped down from Houston. Maybe this is why he stepped down from the Houston job. But it's exciting, and it's going to be fun to see how it all turns out. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. And the obvious questions now become, what does this mean for the roster? What does this mean moving forward for this team? And I feel like the immediate reaction has been that this means Joel, the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons combo is finished. That immediately Daryl Morey's going to come in and he's going to reshape things because uh, over the years he has not been somebody who would seemingly embrace those type of players. As I mentioned in the first segment, he has been uh, an advocate of small ball. He has been an advocate of shooting as many three points, three point shots as you can. And it would seem that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid do not fit that mold of basketball that Daryl Morey has dealt with in the past or tried to assemble a team that can play that style in the past. And I think a lot of people believe that he is going to come in here, blow it up, and start over. Now, I don't know what Daryl Morey's plan is. I have no clue. I have no clue what he sees with this roster. I have no clue what he plans to do with this roster uh, in order to maximize what the Sixers can be and how they can compete best for a championship. And to be honest, nobody does. And that's the beauty of Daryl Morey is he'll do things that people don't expect. He very well might do that if he sees an opportunity. Obviously, he comes from Houston, where their whole team, essentially, was molded around James Harden and around, you know, James Harden pretty much being the architect of everything, him getting all the usage, him taking all the shots, him drawing a ton of fouls, and that's how he constructed his roster to best surround James Harden. And I don't know if there's a blockbuster deal to be made where you could trade either Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons for James Harden. And maybe that's something that Daryl Morey would consider if it was out there. Because honestly, Harden pairing up with either Embiid or Simmons in Philadelphia would be very interesting. And I think it could work, um, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like, Harden's a player where if you were to deal Embiid or Simmons for him, 
either combination, whether it's Harden and Simmons or Harden and Embiid, uh, I think could could be a very lethal combination on the offensive end of the floor. That being said, I don't think that's necessarily the way Daryl Morey is entering this situation. I don't think he is entering this situation with the thought process that he's dead set on this Embiid and Simmons experiment isn't going to work out. We need to trade one of them and we need to reshape it this way. I just, I don't believe that. I think he is going to be open to everything. I think he's going to look at many different scenarios, but I don't think that is something that Daryl Morey is in here hell-bent to do to trade either Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. And what's great about Morey is that he will pivot and he will change drastically on the fly like he did last year midseason with the Houston Rockets. Because the way their season was going last year, they had made this deal for Russell Westbrook, the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade, which, by the way, was not Daryl Morey's doing. Daryl Morey, it's on record, was was opposed to that. He did not want to trade for Russell Westbrook, uh, because why would you want to trade for Russell Westbrook, honestly? Um, that, that was doomed to fail. But while it was failing miserably, Daryl Morey pivoted midseason, went out, made the trade of Clint Capella, brought in Robert Covington, and they kind of played Covington and P.J. Tucker at the five and played small ball, and ultimately it didn't work in the playoffs, but before the shutdown, the Houston Rockets were as good as anybody in the league the two months leading up to that shutdown. And that just speaks to his innovation and being able to adjust on the fly and going out and changing the whole way that your organization is going to play, how your team is going to play, how you're how you're going to do things. And it actually worked uh, for a decent part of the season. And that's what I, I like about Daryl Morey is his flexibility. And he's the the fact that he's not necessarily married to any particular style or any particular philosophy. It's not going to be, okay, we're just going to shoot a ton of threes and we're just going to get rid of everybody and bring in the same roster we had in Houston. I don't think he's going to do that. And it's also not going to be, okay, well, we have this roster. We're just going to play bully ball and do it this way and not be innovative at all. No, he's going to adjust based on the personnel that this team has and bring in personnel that can fit best um, with the players that are that are currently here. And as I said, I we don't know his plans, but I think he took this job not because he wants to trade either Embiid or Simmons, but because he sees potential in what is here. And that he sees a way that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can be maximized together. That they can coexist. And now you can reshape this roster the way it was meant to be reshaped. You can configure this roster around those two guys the way it was meant to be configured. Which should not have been complicated before. Anybody with eyes, anybody who knows the game of basketball, can see how you need to surround two players like that. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are two elite players around the basket. 
Ben Simmons driving to the basket, distributing. Joel Embiid playing under the basket is almost an unstoppable force when he's down low. You surround those guys with three-point shooters. Instead of forcing Ben Simmons, like Brett tried to do, to take a three-point shot a game, which doesn't make any sense, considering he's probably not going to make it. I don't think Daryl Morey's going to come in here and say, we want Ben, we, we're, what we're going to do, we're going to make Ben Simmons a three-point shooter. Like, no, that's not smart. That's not how you play the game. That's not, that's not how you maximize his talents. You surround Joel Embiid with three-point shooters, so it makes it more difficult for defenses to double-team him. And it makes it more difficult for defenses to defend him and help and, and do all these things. And Daryl Morey, I think, is a guy understanding the game of basketball and understanding the NBA will know how to do that and know how to best maximize this team's talent, obviously, with collaboration from the head coach, Doc Rivers. You know, he'll embrace the numbers, have a plan, but a plan that can be adjusted. And that was the big problem with the Sixers last year. They had no adjustments to make. They were going to go with Bully Ball. And if Bully Ball didn't work, they were screwed. I don't think Daryl Morey is married at this point to any particular idea or philosophy. And it's going to be adjusted on the fly. It's going to be manipulated uh, as the season goes on and tweaked to best to best maximize the skills of your best players. Because that's what this league is really all about. Finding a way to maximize your two best players. It's what the Sixers have failed at, and it's what Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers are here to do. And it'll be an interesting next few weeks. I'm sure this roster will look very different, but I personally don't think Embiid or Simmons will be dealt. Um, I don't think that's the way this is gonna this is gonna go. I, I don't think that's Daryl Morey's plan. Um, but who knows? I'd love to get your thoughts on it. What do you think should be done with this roster? Do you think Daryl Morey will or should trade Joel Embiid? or Ben Simmons, and look for a different kind of star that can fit better. Um, I'm interested uh, to see what people think uh, Maury will do and what uh, what you think he should do. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, Mike, I'd like your opinion real quick. Um, you're obviously a big Sixers fan. You, you've been a season ticket holder for some time now. Uh what do you think Daryl Morey sees when he comes to Philadelphia? Do you think he's coming here with the idea that he is going to trade Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and kind of build around one of them, or, or do you think he's looking to keep both and and fix the roster around them? No, I, I think he comes in and, and sees two stars and wants to you know, figure out a way to get the most out of his stars, and he goes from there. Right. I agree. And... I mean, honestly, I look at this roster, I see four guys that I want to keep. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, and Shake Milton, just because he's on a really good contract. Corkmaz. I mean... Good contract situation. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Corkmaz being here. I'm just not like... I guess I mean I'm not hell-bent on him being here. But you're hell-bent on Thibel? 
I, I, I think Thibel can become a borderline all-star. Whoa. Yeah, I do. He's going to be a, a, an old defensive team player. He's going to be at some point in his career. If he can improve his offensive game and become a better offensive player, yeah, I think I, I think Thibel can be a, can be a really good player in this league. He's going to have to make like a like a Joe Burrow leap to to get even close to consideration for All Star. He's terrible offensively. Well, you look at what look at what Houston where Daryl Morey was. Look at what they were able to do with a guy like Ben McLemore last year. They were able to make him a pretty good offensive player. Okay, and that's what I'm. If they can do a similar thing with Thibel, in addition to his defense. Yeah, but they're not bringing Mike D'Antoni here. Right, but uh, you got Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a hell of a coach. You're going to be able to you're going to be able to coach him up. I like Thibel. I mean, I'm not saying he's off the table. Nobody's off the table. And Beaton Simmons aren't off the table. But if guys I'd want to keep, they're guys I'd want to keep. So it's Embiid Simmons, Thibel, and who's your fourth one? Shake. Shake. Yes. Yeah, Cuz I like Shake's uh contract and I think Shake has potential. Maybe, maybe not getting fights with Embiid though in the first quarter of the first game back. But aside from that, I'm I'm okay with Shake. Uh, but um, if you want to get in, I'm I'm honestly surprised we we don't have more Daryl Morey excitement tonight. I'm fired up about this. I, I think this is a great hire for the 76ers. Um, but if you want to get in, you're welcome to two one five five nine two nine four nine four two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We will continue talking Sixers throughout the course of the night. We'll also get to the baseball stuff and the just absurdity of everything that happened in Game 6 of the World Series. Uh, we'll get to that in the 3 o'clock hour. When we get back, um, I have a social media gripe that I need to give you. It's a little twofer here. It, it was an initial gripe with uh, a, a, a certain celebrity that morphed into another gripe with the general public. So uh, I'll explain it a little more when we get back. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning. Rare Thursday morning appearance uh, for me this morning. Mike, I'm sure you were displeased to see the schedule this week and see uh, that I was scheduled for Thursday. Is that correct? Yeah, I went from having to deal with you only once a week to you're, you're the majority of my week this week, three out of five. More good news. I'm back next Thursday. Yeah. How about that? You sound uh, overjoyed. <laughs> Silence says it all, I, I suppose. Um, but uh, so M- Mike's not happy I'm in, but I, I am. So, if, uh, you know, I'm happy about the Daryl Morey situation. Uh, so we're talking about the Sixers so far tonight. I do have a social media gripe to get to here. And I think this one is is pretty, pretty decent in in. in regards to my gripes and where it rates here. Well, that's good. It's mediocre. It's perfectly mediocre, which is what we strive for here on the show. Um, but if you are on Twitter, uh, I'm sure you saw a tweet that went viral on uh, Tuesday afternoon, I suppose, involving a celebrity. Now, uh, I, I got to think this is one of the most followed people on Twitter 
um, certainly in the United States, uh, Kim Kardashian, who tweeted just maybe the most tone-deaf and just pompous thing I've ever seen. Now, she tweets this with a series of pictures. After two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, I surprised my closest inner circle with a trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal just for a brief moment in time. We danced, rode bikes, swam near whales, kayak, kayaked, rather, uh, watched a movie on the beach, and so much more. I realize that for most people, this is something that is so far out of reach right now. So in moments like these, I am humbly reminded of how privileged my life is. Hashtag, this is 40. Oh, come uh, on. That's a perfect uh, tweet for hashtag blessed. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, so humbly, uh, Kim Kardashian um, posts this. And by the way, I, I don't. I, something's not adding up here that I noticed. After two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine. So she asked people to quarantine and go through all these health screenings without telling them what was going on because she surprised them after the health screen. <laughs> so that doesn't add up. So I don't buy that they were quarantining or went through any health screenings at all. I think that was just her BSing that so well, she didn't look maybe, irresponsible like Justin Turner. All right, so maybe a couple weeks ago she said, surprise, guys, we're going to the private island. By the way, you need to quarantine right now for two weeks. That's not what it seemed like. I, I just highly doubt that was the case. But is there like is there a more... Basically, she's just saying, yeah, I'm rich and you're poor, so I can go enjoy myself and, you know, uh, yeah, I'm rich. That's the way I look at it. Because she could have easily just gone on this trip and not bragged about being on the trip. There's nothing... I'm not sure if she understands what the word humble means. There's nothing humble about that. And it's a bunch of pictures, uh, you know, with her and her family drinking on a private island. Is there anything humble about that, Mike? Not really, no. No. So, that is the original gripe. Where Kim Kardashian is just pompous and the whole family just likes to brag about their wealth and you know great you're you're rich congratulations we're 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 all not rich and we all are sitting here in cold pennsylvania and you're on a private island congratulations it's not that cold it's not that cold but it's getting colder which brings a whole series of concerns but this leads in to another gripe because then it becomes one of those challenges where everybody has to tweet their own message of after two weeks of multiple health screens, and then they post a picture of like somebody from a movie or something. Somebody posted something like Steve Carell um, as Michael Scott on like the little island when they went to lunch or something. But the Office, by the way, majorly overrated show, majorly overrated show. Um, but then everybody else started doing their own little uh, tweets about multiple health screenings and private island jokes. So it led to like a whole nother, uh, a whole nother gripe. Are you seeing kind of what I'm talking? I'm having yeah. trouble describing no, it. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, it's basically now everybody is, is doing that. The, the Kim Kardashian thing. And it's like, okay, I got it after like the third time of the joke, but then everybody's got to make their own, their own joke, their own after two weeks joke and their own private island joke. That's pretty. That, that's pretty much it. 
It, it's it's it was a frustrating social media day on Tuesday um, because you know it's just one of those things that everybody starts to do after not me, they do. not Paul, but most people. So what do, where do you think that lands on social media, right, Mike? Kind of average. Um. Yeah. The delivery yeah, I, wasn't great. I'll say well, that. Well, it's not even that. It's just more of, um, I don't see this one sticking for a while, so it's not. I like when you have like really evergreen uh, social media complaints, things that have been going on for years. This one I, I don't think will go on like two weeks from now. No, I, I mean, I certainly hope not. Um, I think it's just going to be a one and done. Um, but, you know, it, sometimes those are, are the best, though, where they just pop up and just for, uh, a, you know, a day, there's just a bombardment. On social media. And by the best, I mean the worst. Because I'm tired of all these already. Everybody's just making the same joke. Be original. Come up with your own joke. And stop doing the same thing as everybody else. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in. So that's the um, that's the social media gripe of the day. Uh, I see Mike in South Philly on the line. We'll talk to Mike when we get back. And uh, we'll continue to talk about Daryl Morey if you would like. We will get to some of the baseball stuff that happened, which is a massive, massive disaster for the sport. And just, uh, you know, everything involved with it um, after the game was just disgraceful. And Kevin Cash's decision to bring out Blake Snell made no sense. I don't care what numbers you look at. Uh, so we'll get to all that in the 3 o'clock hour. We'll get the Eagles-Cowboys at some point. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.